Welcome to Rising Stars, where Miriam Knight, publisher of New Consciousness Review, interviews exciting new voices in the world of progressive and transformational books, films, and ideas who offer intriguing perspectives on life, the universe, and everything in between. Join us as we celebrate the conscious awakening and explore many expressions of consciousness in action. Emmanuel is a highly sought-after transformation specialist, holistic health practitioner, inspirational social media personality, and speaker. He is the author of the Amazon bestseller, Easy Breezy Miracles, considered by many next-generation new thought as a new thought leader. Emmanuel is a gifted humanitarian devoted to assisting people and the planet in positive transformation. He is in service to the well-being of humankind, and I'm uh, very pleased to have him with us today to discuss his brand new book, Easy Breezy Prosperity, The Five Foundations for a More Joyful, Abundant Life. And I can tell you after reading it, I am so impressed, and I think you will really enjoy uh, getting the book and listening to our interview today. Welcome, Emmanuel. Thank you for joining us. Hey, how's it going? Thank you for having me today. I'm so grateful to be here. Oh, I'm so grateful to actually be able to speak to you, having had some technical glitches at the beginning. <laughs> anyway, um, Emmanuel, you look like you're about 15 in the picture. <laughs> going on 30. <laughs> Yes. How did you get to carve out this space of mm. self-help and motivation? You know, I think everyone that's listening right now, we've all been through challenges. We've all been through hardship. And, you know, for me, when I first sort of came into this world, I happened to, I think on a soul level, I, uh, I think we do choose our reality. And I chose to come in in uh, Lebanon. I actually grew up in Lebanon in the Civil War of the 80s and 90s. And so we had little food. Um, I lived in a convent. We had no electricity, uh, no running water. I mean, really, the the below poverty level. So there was that drive early on from the beginning that if I was able or when I should say I was able to get out of that situation. And of course, uh, my thing was I was very close to my mom. And I said, uh, I can remember asking the universe or God, whatever you want to call it, you know, if my mom was safe, if she was kept safe and sound, then I will spend the rest of my life doing what I can to give back and be a positive uh, change in the world. So I've never really veered away from that. I've always stayed very dedicated to that. And uh, it really gave me the motivation to want to help people because I can really understand what they're going through. And uh, I've been there. So that's sort of uh, the, the reasoning for me. Understanding or empathizing with the suffering of others um, is something that not everyone who has been through what you've been through manages to achieve. Um, how did you avoid the trap of hatred and the desire for revenge? You know, I 
like everyone, have emotions. So I just found that it didn't serve me. It didn't feel good. I remember uh, seeing what it did around me and seeing the chaos and the the struggle that it caused. And I wanted another way. You know, I can remember being very young and I was in my mom's arms. And the picture that I can give you is that I've never really felt like I had a childhood. I felt very much like I just came into becoming an adult. And the vision that I have is when I was three years old, my mom was in my arms and the president of the of Lebanon was just assassinated. And I had her in my arms. She was bawling hysterically. And I was like, there, there, all's going to be fine. I love you. We're going to get through this. And that's sort of been the theme of my <laughs> life uh, with her. Uh, she's sort of been like my child and I've been the adult. And I think that really gave me the tools and and skills to not make it about me. It's not about me. It's about others and how I can support and help others. And that's sort of always been my motivation. That's amazing. And, And I wonder if that impulse that you have is very rare or is it something that I'm assuming from your book that you feel that this can be cultivated in others? Yes, absolutely. Um, You know, one of the things that I talk about in my book, and it's very interesting, I did a little experiment with it on social media for the past few years, is generosity and the, the spirit of service. You know, a lot of people have been conditioned to be very self involved, and that's not. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. And the other aspect is it's not their fault. It's sort of how media or the mainstream has sort of kind of created this idea that it's all about consumerism and it's about me, 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 and how I can, uh, how can money serve me? How can this person uh, give me what I want? So what happens is when we get into that state, we forget how magical really life is. We're always looking to the next thing. We're not fully living in the present moment. We're not open and receptive. So generosity and service are the two um, most important energies that I feel have transformed my life. Generosity in that not just giving money and things like that, but giving of your time, giving of your energy and your support. So going back to the experiment, I was on Facebook about a few years ago, and I remember many of my posts uh, do really well. They, they, they get wonderful shares and activity. But there was one post that kept, it was like crickets. Nobody was active. Nobody was um, even wanting to have anything to do with it. And that post was generosity. I would talk about how when we are choosing to be generous with others, we open ourselves up to greater prosperity, greater wealth, greater blessings, miracles, etc. And it just seemed nobody was caring. So I knew, you know, as a Taurus, I'm a, I'm a, I can be a stubborn Taurus sometimes. <laughs> um, I said, you know what? I'm going to make it my mission to let these people know how powerful prosperity, I mean, how powerful generosity is. So I did an experiment and I was once a week sending different versions of what uh, generosity does. I would do little giveaways. I was um, taking sort of uh, documentation of me doing generous acts uh, uh, so that people would start to either get on board or be inspired to do the same. And I'm so grateful to say that now 
you know, three years later, uh, some of the most shared and most active posts on social media for me uh, on my page is generosity and being of service. So I really feel like there was something that shifted there. And I do feel like people, Oprah and Ellen and, and Richard Branson and yourself and all these amazing people who are giving back and creating change on the planet and showing the value of being generous and how powerful it can be not only for us, but for them, uh, the person receiving it, uh, really is heartening to see. I want to get back to the notion of generosity, but right now, tell us your understanding of money. Mm. Okay, so this was a big one for me because I saw my mom struggling. I saw everything um, earlier on where people just were putting these ideas that money is this, uh, you know, the root of all evil. It causes problems. I can't have enough of it or only greedy people want it. So it was very disconnected from who I wanted to be, which was a very spiritual being. You know, for me, I've always, my mom says I must have been a monk in another lifetime because um, I always have this, like my number one priority. Anytime anyone asks me, you know, what is it that you desire, I say, I just want to help people. I want people to be empowered to live their greatest life. That's my number one. So when I was sort of in that space um, in my teens and, and early 20s, I felt at a, sort of like a conflict. I wanted to be able to take care of myself financially, but I just wasn't able to uh, the way that I wanted to when I had the mindset that I had uh, up to that point around money. So I remember having uh, this uh, conversation with the universe, as I often do um, internally, and I asked the universe, show me, there has to be another way, show me um, if there's a gap that can be bridged between spirituality and the material world. Show me if there is something I need to know. So I sort of just set that intention and I meditate often anyway. So uh, meditations come and go the next few days, nothing. Then about a week later, I uh, started receiving this insight and remembering when I first moved to the United States, I was, you know, uh, joining many clubs and things like that. And one of them was the science club and I did a science fair project. And I kept getting this image of the science fair project that I did where I had two plants, which is interesting. They're actually money plants. Uh, now <laughs> looking back at it, I didn't even realize that. Very synchronistic. Um, and I took two plants and one of them, um, I had listened to classical music for six weeks and, you know, be next to the window receiving sunlight and water. And then the other plant was to listen to <clears throat> heavy metal. And so I wanted to see the hypothesis was music affects plants. That was sort of like the very simple um, core level of that. But what I um, sort of going back and thinking about it, after the six weeks, the plant that listened to classical music thrived. It flourished. The leaves were just growing so quickly. And the other plant was shriveling up and withering away. So it did kind of prove the point back then that, yes, music and sound and frequency does affect energy, and in this case, the plant. So going back, I thought about it. I said, okay, why am I visualizing this? Why does this keep coming up to me? And the next sort of, you know, how we start 
uh-huh. going into the aha mm-hmm. and going into the rabbit hole of, of consciousness. And I got the wisdom, the inner guidance that said, if this plant that doesn't necessarily talk and it doesn't have this personality per se was able to tell you that it doesn't like this music and it wants this music, then what if everything on the planet is living and breathing? What if money is alive? What if it's if it's awake? And what if the way that you've been treating it needs to change? Be nice to your money. Well, we're going to take up that thought when we come back. We have to take a station break now. We will be right back with Emmanuel Dogger speaking about easy, breezy prosperity. Being a radio host on IOM FM allows you to build your show on a rich platform with the power of the internet to fulfill your outreach goals and connect with a very specialized and global online audience, unlimited by time and distance. Om Times Radio will provide you with web relevance, a recognizable conscious brand, and with the standard of excellence that has accompanied every single Om Times endeavor. Host your show with Om Times Radio Network. The best of holistic, spiritual, and conscious world. Om Times Radio. IOM FM. Uh, on your website, uh, lots of giveaways. Tell us what your website is. <laughs> yes, uh, so it's easybreezyprosperity.com is the direct link to the website of the giveaways and the book. And then my personal website is emmanueldagger.com. E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L-D-A-G-H-E-R. The H is silent. Yes, <laughs> yes. And only one G. Yes. Very good. So we were talking about the energy of money yes. before the break, but money is only one aspect of prosperity. And this book is all about having a prosperous life, feeling prosperous, generating prosperity. What are the most important elements, do you think? Okay, so because a lot of people do think of uh, money and finances when they think of prosperity right away, I do want to finish um, a little bit of the thought around money and then we'll get into that specific one, uh, another aspect of prosperity. So money itself, when I really had that uh, before the commercial, that idea that uh, money is a living, breathing thing, immediately my perception, my thought, my idea, the way that I was treating it shifted. It went from how can it serve me and how can I get more of it or either I was pushing it away and creating these ideas that it was wrong to have it, all these things, to now, oh my gosh, how can I serve you? How can I support you? How can I be here for you? And not in an egoic way, but a very loving and compassionate way, the way that I would want to treat my best friend or the way that I would treat a partner. Um, That's the way that I've that's the shift that happened for me. And I tried that for 28 days, which I often talk about in my book. It takes 21 days to break a cycle, 28 days to begin a new one. And for 28 days, I started to shift my perception around money. I placed any bills that I had to pay over my heart. I placed them and I said, you know, thank you for giving me the opportunity to give back and share. And I'm so grateful for what I've received. I release you now and, you know, return to me in miraculous ways. So just really 
um, opening myself up in that way. And in 28 days, I was actually, I remember um, I had just begun this sort of uh, mind-body consciousness uh, path, and I got invited to be on a uh, summit, and that changed everything for me. I started creating greater prosperity and wealth, and I truly do um, credit that shift in the way that I was seeing money itself. Now, the other aspect of prosperity for me is knowing our purpose. And a lot of people that I ask, I say, do you know what your purpose is? And some of them, they'll, they'll say, "I'm my purpose is to be a mom, a dad, a friend, a teacher, an artist. So I say, okay, great. Those are amazing and, and they're wonderful. But at the core, what do those things provide for you? What do they give you? And so they'll say, mm, well, it makes me happy. Okay, so your purpose is far greater than just a title. Your purpose is to be happy. And when you simplify, okay, my purpose is to be happy and everything is now gauged off of that. Is this bringing me joy or is this not? Then you'll know if it is, you're on purpose. And that is the most prosperous kind of life. I love one of your practices where you talk about um, your, your morning gratitudes. Mm. And then you make a list of these uh, things that you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. But the, the one that really tickled me was the idea of doing a gratitude dance. It reminded <laughs> me of, of uh, the Peanuts Snoopy character doing yes. a happy dance. Yes, yes. And you know, one thing around gratitude, I know we've heard it often in in consciousness and and new thought, but the thing that I would invite the listeners to do is to take it a step further. So express your gratitude, however, then affirm why you're grateful. So for example, I am so grateful. So when you wake up in the morning, I am so grateful for my bed because it kept me warm, it kept me safe, it kept me comfortable. I'm grateful for this new day of infinite possibilities because I don't know what may be coming, but I know that something miraculous is on the horizon and that makes me very excited. So when we add the why you're grateful, you're going to start generating more of the feeling. You're going to start generating more of the sense of excitement around it, which is going to charge it and magnify it and bring it back to you in miraculous ways. Another aspect that I particularly enjoyed was that it, this is not just a kind of a feel-good new agey book, but you take it really down to the practical. You're, it's like being a business coach. You, mm-hmm. you actually talk about bu- building your business. Yes. You have quite an aspect of your practice that deals with business coaching. Yes. So there's two things. There's asking for support. And of course, building a network. So that kind of goes together. Um, I know for me, it was very challenging to ask for support, especially those who are very sensitive and and very um, empathic. They have a tendency to want to hide and not really want to ask for support and help because they think other people either will... Uh, think they want something uh, more than that from them or vice versa. So there's this tendency to be in state of ourselves. So asking for what you really desire, not only from the universe and not only from yourself, but from those that you really uh, love and that you know are wanting to support you. And the little extra piece around that is 
just if it's uncomfortable for you, remember that by you asking for support from someone that you've supported often and you're always there for, it's an honor for them to support you and give them that honor. So if it's uncomfortable for you and someone says, hey, I want to take you to lunch or hey, I want to support you or hey, you know, whatever it is, they're giving you a compliment or they're trying to show up for you in some way, say, I'm going to honor you and I am going to say yes. So that's one aspect of, of that. Then building your network. For example, you know, I do masterminds with a few friends of mine once a week. We vision, we set the intention, we hold each other accountable. These things are going to create powerful building blocks to becoming more prosperous in all areas of your life. Yes, that mastermind group was one one of the practices uh, that you mentioned that I found very interesting. I, I'm really uh, inclined to try it out myself, um, as as well as many of your other practices. Um, the the generosity principle, the the principle of flow, is very interesting. You have this um, leaving little envelopes around. <laughs> Tell us about that. Okay, so one thing that I know for sure is that when we are operating from lack, we are not in flow. And a lot of times when we think of prosperity, abundance, or finances, a lot of the first thoughts are, oh my goodness, you know, I'm, mm. I don't know if I have enough, this and that. And that is just the mind's way of protecting itself. It's not who you are. It's just the pattern the mind goes into, identifies with as a result of self-protection. So when you can acknowledge that, then you can know that, okay, who am I? Who am I at my core? I am an infinite, eternal being. You know, all of us here today know on some level that we are spiritual beings having a physical experience, not the other way around. So when we know that, we step into that knowing that we are generous, we are infinite, and there's nothing that we're missing or losing when we give, when we are of service. And one thing that I do when I find myself in lack, I'll do those envelopes that you mentioned. Um, I'll just put them randomly in um, libraries. I'll put them on car windshield wipers, and I'll put $20 bills in them or little positive messages saying, you are blessed, many blessings, the universe loves you, or something like that that really helps someone feel better. And I'll do that. And watch how that will start to shift your experience around lack and move you into more prosperity. That's, that's one of my favorites, too. We really, we human beings are such complicated creatures because on the one hand, um, we feel this sense of lack. On the other hand, uh, we often do not feel worthy of receiving. Mm -hmm. So how do we kind of reverse these polarities? Okay. So going back, so I would like to go right to the worthiness thing. If you are allowing your mind to believe that you are not worthy, you are dishonoring the universe. Think about that. If you are not allowing yourself to see that you are worthy, deserving, that you are loving, that you are loved and lovable, then you're basically saying the universe is not lovable, loving, and good enough and worthy because you are the universe. It's within every cell of your being. And the mind, and this again, this is not an ego thing, the mind sometimes has 
an, an uncomfortable thing with that because it's like, oh my gosh, well, I'm too open, I'm too vulnerable, and it's not used to it. So give it the right to exist in that way if it wants to be uh, protecting itself. But know on some level, by you choosing to know that you are worthy, you are honoring the universe, you are honoring spirit. Oh, Emmanuel, we're, we're kind of coming up to the end of the show, uh, you're, <laughs> and uh, I have to have you back. You're just such a lovely guest. So um, tell us about your 28-day uh, prosperity plan and the book yes. and your website and, you know, close, close us out. Well, first of all, I wanted to say thank you so much for this opportunity. You are amazing. I, I can just connect with your energy and I can feel how how uh, special you are. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, I would love to come back anytime. So the 28-day program is a step-by-step, literally, I've planned it out for you. I've mapped it out for you. Step-by-step, step, 28 days, a calendar that is going to, if you follow it, change your life and create greater wealth and prosperity in all areas of your life, especially your finances. You're going to feel more fulfilled. You're going to feel more content. And literally, it starts uh, day one into day 28. And I would say after the 28 days, if you love the transformation you experience, keep going with it. Keep experiencing it and integrating it into your reality. And of course, share that with your friends and family so that they can too. Perfect. So, we um, have a reminder of your website. I, I, I didn't even get to talk to you about your social media. What is your, <laughs> oh, what, what is your best? Yes. Yes. So, people can check me out on Facebook backslash Emmanuel Dagger One. I, every post is I create it. I don't have anyone else doing it for me. It's it's me. Um, I spend time, you know, I see it as an extension of me and it's really important for me. It's one of my spiritual practices. And the other thing is easybreezyprosperity.com. That's where you can check out the book. Thank you so much. Thank you, Emmanuel. Author of Easy Breezy Prosperity, get the book. You'll be glad you did.